In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Tonight, we will study chapter 23 from the Gospel of St. Luke. Uh, this chapter is 56 verses. We will study half of the chapter till verse 25. The outline of the chapter from verse 1 to 5, Jesus' trial before Pilate. From 6 to 12, Jesus faces Herod. From 13 to 25, taking the place of Barabbas. And this will be the end of our Bible study tonight. Then from 26 to 43, the king on a cross. From 44 to 49, Jesus dies on the cross. And then from 50 to 56, the Lord buried in Joseph's tomb. As you know, the Lord, uh, actually, he faced six trials, three religious trials and three civil trials. The religious trials we studied in chapter 22. First, it was before uh, Hanan. Second, before Qiyafa. The third one before the Sanhedrin. Then the Sanhedrin decided to send him to Pilate. As you know, Jerusalem was divided into, it's not Jerusalem, Israel was divided into three areas. In the north, Galilee. In the middle, Samaria. In the south, Judea. And the capital of Judea was Jerusalem. The Sanhedrin was in Jerusalem. So they took him to Pilate because Pilate was the governor on Judea. But it happened that Herod, the governor of Galilee, which is in the north, in the same time was in Jerusalem because Herod was a Jewish man and this was the time of Passover and all the Jews from all over the world used to go to Jerusalem during the feast of the Passover. So when Pilate knew that Jesus originally from Galilee, he sent him to Herod Especially Herod was in Jerusalem. But Herod did not find any guilt with the Lord Jesus Christ, so he sent him back to Pilate. So he stood before Pilate twice and before Herod once. So these are the three civil trials. So in total, there were six trials. So after the three religious trials, the Sanhedrin formally condemned Jesus to death. But according to the Roman rules, they were prohibited to carry out their judgment. They cannot actually uh, execute someone. If they condemned somebody to death, they have to take him 
to the Roman governor, and the Roman governor should actually issue the sentence of death, the execution, not the Jewish. Uh, so this capital punishment in Judea could not could only be inflicted as the result of a decision by the Roman court, not by the Jewish court. So also there is another point that the Sanhedrin condemnation to death from Jewish standpoint was illegal. Because in capital cases, judgment in capital punishment, judgment could not be legally pronounced on the day of trial. It was illegal to pronounce the capital punishment on the same day of trial. Actually, with the Lord Jesus Christ, they tried him. They made the final decision and they executed the decision, which is crucifixion, on the same day. And this was illegal according to the law. Uh, so in, in case of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord was condemned without any legal interval left between the trial and the sentence. Secular history showed that Pilate was a cruel, heartless man, completely insensitive to the moral feelings of others. As we read <coughs> about the history of the Jews written by Josephus. Uh, so the Sanhedrin thought that Pilate will put Jesus to death immediately. Once they took Jesus to him, he will issue the sentence, the capital punishment, because he was cruel, heartless man, insensitive, etc. And they knew that the accusation of blasphemy before the religious council would not be of any concern to Pilate. Pilate was a Roman governor. Uh, that's why they brought three false accusations about the Lord Jesus Christ in front of Pontius Pilate. As we read in Luke chapter 23, from verse 1. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, the first accusation, we found this fellow perverting the nation. That's the first one. Number two, and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king? That is the third accusation. So they brought three accusations that can be of concern to Pontius Pilate, a Roman governor. The first one, he is a revolutionary, perverting the nation. Second one, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, that Jesus encouraged the people not to pay their taxes. 
Also the Lord said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And the third one, that Jesus claimed himself to be a king in opposition to Caesar. Uh, St. Luke actually narrates the trial before Pilate very briefly. Uh, the Jewish priest had expected that on their authority, especially when with these three accusations, Pilate would at once order him to execution. But on the contrary, Pilate wanted actually to hear the case and asked them what accusation you brought about the Lord Jesus Christ, refusing to accept their bare assertion that he was a revolutionary. The first and second accusation, Pilate did not pay attention to them, but he attended only to the third charge, that Jesus claiming himself as a king. And he asked the Lord Jesus Christ about this question. And why he asked the Lord Jesus Christ? Because according to the Roman rules, it is always desirable to secure a confession of the accused. So in verse 3, then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And the Lord answered, he answered him and said, It is as you say. It is as you say, it is not a denial, but neither it is an acknowledgement. Because the Lord, yes, he indeed a king, but not an earthly king, he is a heavenly king. And Jesus gave Pilate the same reply that he gave to the high priest when he asked him the same question. Pilate, as I told you, he was a cruel, ruthless man, but he was not foolish. He was wise. He was smart. So he could see through the motives of the religious leaders of Israel. And he had no problem in assessing Jesus and the whole situation by the declaration, I find no fault in this man. As we read in verse 4, so Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. Uh, he saw this beaten, blooded man before him because the Jews uh, had beaten the Lord Jesus Christ during the night. In addition, he could not find any evidence to support the charge of treason against the Roman Empire. They had no evidence that he claimed to be a king or prevented people from paying uh, taxes. And Jesus did not look especially royal as he stood before Pilate. In response to what Pilate said that I find no fault in this man, the religious leaders became more fierce and emphasized their accusation that Jesus was a leader of an uprising. He stirs up the people, not only here in the city, but in the northern district in Galilee. 
because Nazareth was in Galilee, and Capernaum was in Galilee, and Jesus spent most of his time in the north, in Galilee, not in Judea. As we read in verse 5, for, but they were the more fierce saying, he stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. Verse 6, when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean, and as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. So, to stir up the people, this was a crime that any Roman governor would be concerned with. Uh, so, when the religious leaders of Israel saw that there, uh, there is possibility to lose their cause, when Pilate told them, I found no fault in this man, they attempted to press on Pilate the point that would be most likely now to affect him when they told him he stirs up the people not only here in the city but from Galilee to this place. And they were exaggerating in order to exaggerate the matter. Actually, they mentioned Galilee. But Galilee was a good opportunity for Pilate to escape, to send him to uh, Herod. Sincere of Alexandria says, they led Jesus to Pilate. They, Israel, too, were given up to the Roman soldiers when Titus, the Roman uh, uh, leader, actually destroyed Jerusalem, burned the temple, and burned the city. Who have occupied their minds, their lands, and have invaded their city, where the holy and revered places were, and the inhabitants were killed by the sword and by the fire. So St. Cyril the Great said, as they delivered Jesus to Pilate the Roman governor, they were also delivered to the Romans who destroyed their city. In the provinces over which the Roman state ruled directly, only the Roman had the power over life and death, meaning Pilate cannot condemn a Galilean person, and Herod cannot condemn a Jewish person. So they have power over life and death only within their jurisdictions. And Pilate actually was perplexed. Yeah, he knew that Jesus is innocent, but he was unwilling <coughs> to stand behind his verdict that Jesus was not guilty. So once he heard Galilee, he took this opportunity to send Jesus to Herod, because Jesus was from Galilee, and Herod was the governor of Galilee. This situation 
actually very peculiar Saint Luke. Saint Luke, the only evangelist who mentioned uh, what happened between Pilate and Herod. And Pilate feared that these Jews should make his compassion toward the Lord Jesus Christ a ground of accusation against him at Rome to accuse Pilate to the emperor. Because as any public figure, Pilate also had enemies. So he wanted to get rid of the whole situation by sending Jesus to Pilate. So moved by his cards, he refrained from releasing the Lord Jesus Christ in accordance to what his heart told him that Jesus was just right and innocent. Uh, also, he could not condemn the Lord Jesus Christ because the impression that the Lord had on him made Pilate respect the Lord and revered him. So Pilate was glad to seize the opportunity when he heard the name of Galilee to send Jesus to Herod. And thus he thought that he will shift the responsibility of condemning the Lord Jesus Christ on the shoulders of Herod. Also there was enmity between Pilate and Herod. So Pilate also took this opportunity to show Herod what a regard he had to his authority. And maybe this can bring reconciliation between both of them. And most probably that Herod and Pilate were staying in the same palace. That's what actually most of the biblical scholars assumed. So Jesus passed between the courts of the two rulers fairly quickly. Uh, but we may ask why Herod and Tipaz happened to be in Jerusalem, because as I told you in the beginning, he was a Jew, and therefore he had to attend the Passover feast in Jerusalem according to the custom of the Jews. This Herod is the son of Herod the Great, who killed the children in Bethlehem. But this Herod is the one who killed John the Baptist. Uh, and although Jesus grew up in Jerusalem, in Galilee, and preached in Galilee, and spent the most of his ministry in Galilee, and preached frequently in Galilee, wrote miracles there, but Herod had never seen the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Herod had countless opportunities to hear the Lord Jesus Christ again and again because the Lord did not speak in secret meeting or in hidden places. Uh, and Herod surely heard much about the Lord Jesus Christ, but he had no interest in spiritual life. His only interest to be amused and entertained, like what happened at the party of his birthday that ended by killing John the Baptist. So Herod 
gave his attention to Jesus and was exceedingly glad to see him, maybe because he said it's a time for Jesus to perform a miracle, and I watch how a miracle is performed. As we read in verse 8, now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. For he had desired for a long time to see him. Why you did not see? No interest. Because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. That's all what he cared about. Just to see some miracle uh, done by him. Then he, Herod, questioned him with many words. But he, Jesus, answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood vehemently, accused him. So apparently they accompanied the Lord Jesus Christ to the court of Herod. So Herod wanted to hear from Jesus and wanted to see Jesus to do miracle for him. So, the interest to hear Jesus and to see Jesus was not a sincere one, but was for his amusement. So, this interest was for his condemnation, not <coughs> his praise. Jesus would not give him one word in return to his many words, nor work any miracle in his presence. Herod, who was a murderer of the prophets, he killed John the Baptist, and who had no higher motive than mean curiosity, deserved no answer. That's why the Lord did not answer him. In his judgment, whether it be with the chief priest or Pilate or Herod, the Lord kept silent in front of Herod, Pilate, the chief priest. So the words in Isaiah were fulfilled. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And I like to remind you, on Covenant Thursday, when Abuna chooses the lamb, the church is silent. Deacon don't chant Kerialaison or Al Urban. They are silent. They are silent. As because this time choosing the lamb is a time uh, symbolizes the trial of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Jesus was silent, so there is silence in the church on that specific day when Abuna chooses the lamb. And as I told you, the accuser, the chief priests and scribes, uh, accompanied the Lord Jesus Christ. And they unjustly and violently accused him, accused the Lord, trying to make it appear that he had been guilty of the same things they had accused him before Pilate. Even when others vehemently accused him, Jesus remained silent. 
Jesus had nothing to say to Herod. Because Herod uh, did not deserve an answer. So there is a wisdom called wisdom of speaking and silence. There is a time you must speak. And if you are a silent, this is considered, is considered a lack of wisdom. And the opposite is true. There is a time in which you should be silent because if you speak, it will be foolishness. Verse 11. Then Herod, with his men of war, men of war means soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. So men of war, soldiers, or bodyguard. Herod does not enter into the charges like Pilate. He did not ask the Lord Jesus Christ about the charges. He asked him to perform a miracle. And Herod, foolishly enough, he thinks that justice will be done not be means by investigation and punishment, but by contempt and mockery. When actually he uh, treat him with contempt and mockery, maybe Jesus will confess or admit the charges against him. Then he arrayed him in a gorgeous robe. Gorgeous, the Greek word means a white or shining robe. That is the translation of the Greek word. It probably means a white robe because according to the Jewish custom, the noble people wore white robes. So in such a robe, Herod, by way of mockery, arrayed him. Because Herod was a Jewish man. So he arrayed him as a king according to the Jewish tradition. But in Roman, the nobility among Romans were purple, not white, for the most part. That's why the soldiers of Pilate, who were Romans, put on the Lord Jesus Christ purple robe. So they arrayed him in white robe according to the Jewish custom at Herod palace or court. And they arrayed the Lord in purple according to the Roman custom uh, when the soldiers of Pilate mocked him. So both of them, Herod and Pilate, following the custom of their own country, when by the way of mockery, uh, as a, to, to mock the Lord Jesus Christ as a king, they clothed him in robes of state. Uh, if Jesus was in reality guilty of perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he is a king, Actually, it would be the duty of Herod and his interest to punish him. And he would be in trouble if he did not punish him. 
So the fact that Herod did not punish the Lord Jesus Christ, this means the Lord was innocent. As we read in verse uh, 11, that he sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. So, Herod could not convict the Lord Jesus Christ, not knowing what to make of him or the charge against him. And he also was unwilling to put him to death. Maybe he did not forget the case of John the Baptist and how he felt guilty after killing John the Baptist. That's why he decided to send Jesus back to Pilate and he, he thought this is the right decision to do. But as I told you, his dismissal of the case, especially the Lord was Galilean, was a deliberate acknowledgement of his innocence. Also, Pilate sent Jesus to Herod as a token of respect. That's why also, maybe Pilate sent Jesus to Herod to put an end to their disagreement. Herod returned this respect by sending Jesus back to Pilate, and this resulted in their reconciliation. But the special cause of the enmity, we don't know. It is unknown. Verse 13 this now the sixth trial and the last one then Pilate when he had called together the chief priests the rulers and the people said to them you have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people and indeed having examined him in your presence I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod. So Pilate had confirmed that Herod found Jesus innocent. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving death of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. So after Herod had sent back Christ unto Pilate, he then, Pilate, gathered the chief priest to consider what should be done to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pilate clearly declared that the Lord is innocent of any crime. And this was the result of careful examination of both Jesus and the evidence brought against him. <clears throat> now was the golden opportunity which Pilate should have seized in order to do what he knew to be right. He examined him, Herod examined him, both of them found him not guilty. So what 
should he do? He should release him. Any fair or just judge should release the Lord. But he was anxious lest they accuse him in front of the emperor. Also, the meekness of the Lord Jesus Christ made a deep impression upon Pilate. We know from Matthew also that he was warned by his wife's dream. His wife sent him a message and told him, last night I saw dream about Jesus. Don't touch him. And Pilate confirmed that Herod, who was a Jew, and understood the nature of such charges and the amount of sin, Herod himself found no guilty in the Lord Jesus Christ. Herod had also examined Jesus in their presence and heard all that they had to accuse him with, yet found no fault in him of any such kind and to condemn him to death for it. But Pilate, as I told you, was hesitant between two opinions. He is convinced of the innocence of the Lord, yet afraid to oppose the people. So he suggested a punishment. I will chastise him and release him. Suggested a punishment for Jesus, and it will not be a light one. Because the Roman customer of scourging was a brutal whipping. How the strikes came from a whip with many leather strings. Each string have sharp pieces of bone or metal at the end. So it cut and slashes the back to raw flesh. And it was not unusual for a criminal to die from scourging, even before crucifixion. Many of the criminals died only from the scourging. So Pilate thought it would be enough that they see Jesus, they, the religious leaders, see Jesus treated as guilty. Uh, and, 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 and this was the point at which Pilate began to yield to the fatal indecisiveness, which soon passed into guilt and made it afterward impossible for him to escape. Just by entertaining the idea of chastising the Lord Jesus Christ, this means he started to move one step forward toward uh, condemning the Lord Jesus Christ to death. Because if you believe that Jesus is innocent, an innocent man does not deserve even a light punishment, much less a severe one like scourging him. Uh, so why he said, I will therefore chastise him? Pilate believed he had a way for Jesus to escape death. What this way? We read in verse 17, for it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas. 
He planned to release him according to the custom of releasing a prisoner every Passover season. He was under the necessity of releasing one criminal at this feast. The custom had now been so completely established that Pilate was obliged to attend to it. Pilate thought that the people would love and sympathize with him if he let Jesus go, even though the Jewish leader do not want Jesus to go free. But he said, if I chastise him, they will allow me to release him according to the custom of releasing one prisoner every Passover feast. But the crowd whom Pilate was convinced would release Jesus and instead condemned Jesus and asked for Barabbas to be uh, released. The chief priests, the rulers, people immediately enraged at the proposal of Pilate in a most clamorous way and cried out as one man not bearing to hear of his release after they had got him in their hand. So they don't want to hear even the idea that he will be released. They finally arrested him. How now you are going to release him? So they demanded the release of another criminal uh, who was actually guilty of the crime while they had falsely accused Jesus. So they condemned the innocent to death and asked the criminal who is guilty to be released. Verse 19 tells us about the crime of Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Barabbas had made an uprising with some partners and had also committed murder in the uprising, a crime which they could not dare to charge Christ with. They could not actually charge Christ that he killed somebody as Barabbas did. The people begged life for such a criminal, preferring him to the Son of God, Jesus, who had always made it his whole concern and care to do them good. All his ministry, he did good to, to the people, and at the end, they wanted him to be killed. Verse 20, Pilate therefore wishing to release Jesus again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, crucify him, crucify him. Uh, then he said to them the third time, so three times, why, why should I crucify him? What evil? has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priest prevailed. So Pilate 
um, give sentence that it should be as they requested. So they said, crucify him away with this man, put him to death, take this man away to punishment, to death. Pilate tried three times with the people because he is convinced of his innocence and is still seeing clearly into the wickedness, malice, and envy of the accusers of these people. And having received the message from his wife, Pilate tried with them again, but they shouted saying, crucify him, crucify him. So shouted means there was increasing violence and uh, intensity. They were fierce and furious, louder, the more they perceived that Pilate wanted to save him and release him. They were more desirous to have him crucified. We can see here how a yani this is considered a strange scene. A cruel, ruthless, merciless Roman governor trying to win the life of a miracle-working Jewish teacher against the persistent, tireless effort of both the Jews' leaders and the crowd. So these Jewish people whom the Lord served for so many years, they wanted him to be killed. And Pilate, this merciless, cruel, ruthless man, want to release him. And he tried a third time and final attempt showing some measure of earnestness on Pilate's part to release the Lord. But uh, they insisted that Jesus to be crucified. So Pilate took many steps. For example, number one, he publicly announced that Jesus is perfectly innocent. Number two, he sent him to Herod. He, he didn't want actually to put him to death. Number three, he wanted to release him according to the custom of releasing one prisoner every feast. Number four, he tried just to chastise him, to scourge him instead of crucifying him. And number five, he appealed to their compassion three times, but they insisted he should be crucified. Even he asked them, why? Why do you want to crucify him? What evil has he done? What capital crime has he committed? Is he guilty of murder like Barabbas, or of agitation, or blasphemy, or robbery, or theft, or any other enormous crime? I have found no reason for death in him. Why he should be put to death at all, and much less to this shameful and painful death of the cross? Why? Crucifying somebody is, is, is considered a curse. What was the uh, a, a crucifixion was punishment of slaves? Crucifixion was the punishment of the most evil men. And he repeated again for the second time, I will chastise him and let him go. Uh, but when he said this, 
he said it not as a decision, I am determined to do this, but as he is pleading with them, begging them to accept it. Not he's a governor. He said, this is my decision, whether you like it or not, that's what I'm going to do. But he was uh, telling them, this is my preference. And I hope to be content with this. I hope to agree with me that he should be scourged, beaten, and dismissed. Uh, and Pilate declared again that Jesus is innocent. And in his mind, he wanted to release him. But in order to please the people, he would punish him as evildoer. But again, the argument, why even you want to chastise him if you declare he's innocent? And you said, Herod also said he is innocent. So apparently, these people were overpowering Pilate, insisting upon his crucifixion and pressed hard for it. Uh, and they, their voices prevailed upon Pilate to grant their request contrary to the dictates of his own conscience and the conduct of Herod and the message of his wife. So their voice prevailed upon all these things. The people being set on by the chief priests and the chief priests joining with them, their numbers were so great and their requests were pressed with so much force, violence and persistence and Pilate could not endure them. Uh, also, it was the duty of the Roman official to keep order in their provinces uh, and to bring in the taxes that kept the empire alive. So, when the Jews threatened a right, or act uh, in opposition to the governor. That's why the governor, out of fear, he will yield to the people uh, as an act of self-preservation, so he will yield to the people. Pilate did not find the courage to oppose the religious leaders and the crowd. Pilate was afraid uh, and his fear actually overpowered his sense of justice and his conscience that told him that Jesus is innocent. There was no further discussion. He decided to release Barabbas and Jesus to be delivered to the will of his enemies, to death, to be crucified. As we read in verse 25, and he released to them the one they requested, Barabbas, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. The crowd rejected Jesus and embraced Barabbas, who was a terrorist and a murderer. These cruel and unlawful shouts 
have been rebuked by the Lord uh, in Isaiah the prophet. As we read in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. The men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold oppression. For righteousness, but behold a cry for help. There is a beautiful meaning in releasing Barabbas instead of Jesus. The word Barabbas, Bar, means son. Abbas, from the word Abba, means father. So Barabbas literally means the son of the father. Barabbas represents all of us. Because all of us, uh, we were guilty of sin and we're condemned to death. But Jesus, the innocent, died instead of us. He took our punishment and he released us and we became sons of the Father. We became Barabbas, sons of the Father, became children of the Father. So as St. Athanasius said, the son of the father became son of man in order to make we children of men to be children of God the Father. Uh, that's why Pope Shenouda wrote a very beautiful poem called Min Alhan Barabbas. Uh, because as we told you, Barabbas symbolizes all of us. Uh, who were sentenced to death, but the Lord died instead of us and released us and we became the spiritual Barabbas, mean children of the Father, while the Lord carried our sentence and died to death. This concludes uh, our Bible study tonight. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.